Tandem Nomads, episode 96. In the previous episode, number 95, I was sharing with you the crucial importance of building consistent and valuable free content for your audience in order to grow a portable business. I was actually going as far as telling you that there is no portable business possible without free content that you share regularly. And by free content, I mean this uh, podcast, for example, blog posts, newsletters, everything that you do to reach out to people. And on top of it, also everything that you share on social media. So in that episode, I was sharing with you my free tips and step-by-step guidance on how to find those great, valuable ideas of free content, how to make the difference between free and paid content, and also um, and also how to find the time to be consistent with that. But here's the thing, there is something major happening in our world today, in the world of data privacy, that is going to affect majorly the strategy of how you build content and how you share it and how you connect with your audience. So I wanted to bring to you this special episode on GDPR, which stands for General Data Protection Regulations. So in today's episode, I bring to you all the information you need to be aware of in order to build your portable business and create free content for your audience. So without further ado, here is the interview that I've been running with an expert on GDPR to be able to explain you everything you need to know about it. Hello, Nomad Nation. I am your host, Emel Deregi. I'm a marketing and business coach and the founder of Tandem Nomads, the platform where you can find inspiration and tips to build a successful portable business. Today's topic is all about GDPR. I'm wondering if you're going to tell me what the heck is that? <laughs> so GDPR is a new regulation that has been launched in the EU. It's actually not so new, but it's a new version of an old regulation designed to protect the privacy of their citizens in the European Union. So I thought it's very important for you to know about this topic because it is going to be concerning every single business that deals with data. And as a portable business, the most important part of the business is the data you have on your potential clients and the people you deal with online. So I thought it is very, very important to be diligent about it and know exactly what are your rights and your duties regarding GDPR. And in order to talk about this topic, I brought to you an expert in the matter, Manya Kosterman. Manya, are you ready for the ride? Yes, I am. Oh, fantastic. So Manya, you are based in Dublin and yeah. you are a GDPR specialist and marketing yeah. specialist. But I would love to know a little bit about your story before we deep dive into GDPR and how can we be compliant to the EU rules. Okay, well, same. thanks, Amel. Well, my history is also quite an international one. This is the fourth country that I live in. I'm also one of the expert spouses. And previously, I've lived in Japan, in the US, in Germany, and moved to Dublin in 2015. And in most of the instances, I was able to find a job in the corporate world and always had very interesting positions and success. And when we moved to Dublin, it was a bit more of a challenge. Dublin just came out of a big crisis. 
and you know we have three boys that are just at an age where they need a little bit more attention. And I noticed I was in a corporate position also in Dublin, and I noticed that I was looking for something different, something more exciting, and something more me. Because as a traveling spouse, I always noticed that you have to adjust, and sometimes you lose a bit of your own identity, which can also be a good thing. But this time, I thought, you know, I really want to set up my own business. And one of the websites that I came across was your website, and I thought, yeah, this, this is it. I need to work on my own portable business and build a clientele in all the countries that I've worked in. And that's how I came up with the idea to build my own marketing consultancy business. But I wanted to have a special edge. And I also wanted to do something with you know this rumor that I had been picking up, which was GDPR. And when I was still working in the corporate world, everybody always told me, GDPR, that's something for the legal department. It's nothing for marketing. And I thought, that's nonsense. It is actually something for marketing because it is about making privacy understandable and making it easy to work with and not making it a big scare thing, but just to focus on the things that are still possible and not on all the things that are forbidden. So that's why I got trained in GDPR and I also got trained as a data protection officer. And I'll explain a little bit what that is later on. And that's how I started, how I started my business, which is called Blue Eyes Marketing. Wow, what a story. And you're so good at telling it in such a concise and powerful way. Amazing. <laughs> so, so many important things you've said about your story, but also how you related it to the importance to be aware of what is GDPR is when you talked about the fact that you believe that it's nonsense to think that it's just for lawyers. We all should be aware about it, especially as marketers, because data is actually the basic of all our relationship with our clients and how we manage the relationship with our clients. So very, very important to be aware about that. So thank you for bringing that up because I think that's the reason why we're doing this episode to make sure that all of you Nomad Nation are aware about that. I also want to salute your journey, Manya. It's amazing that you managed to build your portable business in such a short time. So that's Brilliant. And I love how you just came up with that idea of how, where you can make a real difference. And you've done it. So that's beautiful. Fantastic. <laughs> so just one thing, what made you, what helped you go from the situation? I don't know what to do with my career because I can't find a job in the corporate to that business idea. How did you find that transition? How did you come up with the idea? I came up with the idea just to Basically, get in touch with my network again, meet up with friends, you know, have a drink and think about the things I had been discussing with them. I always wanted to do a business that was fulfilling a personal need, a personal desire. And for me, when I heard about this GDPR rumor and everybody was scaremongering about stories with fines and that it was going to be such a you know, detrimental thing to all the businesses, something told me that that wasn't the way to promote GDPR. That was really a driver. And then I just met a friend who said, well, you know, I exactly know how you feel about this. And I actually just got trained and he was so excited about it. But I thought, well, I have to do that as well. And when I did the training, I thought, you know, privacy is going to be a big item in the next years in all the businesses that we run. You know, unfortunately, driven also by a lot of scandals that have recently come up, but people will become more and more aware of privacy. So, you know, this is the time to start, you know, learning about it and specializing and working in the area. Fantastic. So you saw a problem and you thought, what can I do to solve it? And I think that's one of the greatest ways to find great business ideas. So I want to, before we go any further, there's one thing in the introduction that I didn't mention, and I really want to mention here. 
if you're listening, Nomad Nation, and you're not from the EU, it doesn't mean that you're not concerned by the EU regulations. Because if you have a portable business, you're more likely to attract people from the EU. That's one thing. So it's not so much about where your business is, is where are the people you work with. That's the first thing to know. And second, I think it's important in any case to be aware of this data protection, because at some point, I really believe that these regulations are going to be generalized at some point across borders and beyond the EU. At least I hope so, because at the end of the day, if you really care about your clients, you care for their data protection too. So this is also why I really think it's important to pay attention here. And I'm so happy to have you, Mania, here to share your knowledge about it. So let's go, let's not dwell anymore on this. Let's go straight to the point. What is GDPR and what does it stand for? Okay, so let's talk a little bit the legal speak at the moment, but it's indeed important because people make up all these abbreviations. But it stands for General Data Protection Regulation. And the general thing is important to point out because this means that although we had you know, many privacy laws in all the 28 member states of the EU, for example, in Germany had very strict laws and other laws were a little bit more loose, this time... GDPR means it's general, it applies to all 28 member states. So that is what it is. It is regulation that applies in 28 countries, and it applies not only to EU citizens, but it applies to anyone who resides in the European Union. Does that answer your question for now? Okay. So when we say it applies to everyone who's in the European Union, there is two target audiences. There is the businesses and there is the actual citizens whose data we're trying to protect. So who is compliant to the GDPR regulations? Who are the businesses who are supposed to follow these rules? Yeah, so businesses, I prefer to call it organizations because it doesn't only apply to businesses, but also if you run a charity or if you run a non-for-profit organization, it applies to you because you hold something that is called under GDPR PII, and PII means it's personally identifiable information. And if you have PII on your computer, so if you store PII in a digital format, or if you have a filing system, like, you know, your Rolodex or your cabinet with all all sorts of files, or if you store pictures, or if you store recorded voices, that is all what we call personal identifiable information. And personal identifiable information could be your name. So you you certainly, or you suddenly have a lot of personal identifiable information. It's your address, your email address, online identifiers, such as your computer codes, your EMI, EI codes, login ideas that you use, but also physiological or psychological information that could be directly linked or indirectly linked to an individual. So every organization that keeps something like that on file, whether it's a physical file or a digital file, will fall under GDPR. There was a bit of a myth that it would only apply to organizations of 250 employees and up, but they changed that and they said, well, no, very small organizations could deal with very personal, identifiable information. So that's why they said any business is, will fall under GDPR. Okay. And how about on the data, the the people we're trying to protect? There are citizens of the EU or people who reside in the EU? It's both. So it is for people who reside in the EU. So whether you are from Argentina or whether you're from Spain, you will fall under GDPR. 
And also, if you have a contract, so if you are, for example, if you are an American, but you have a UK contract with a UK company, it will follow the GDPR. Okay, so as long as you have any business or communication relationship with somebody who's coming from the EU and you're storing their data, then you fall under the GDPR no matter where your company is based in. Yeah. So how about if we have a European citizen living in the US, for example? Is this European citizen falling under the GDPR? The way I've understood it, yes, it will fall under GDPR. It's a regulation that was created two years ago. And there's still a lot of things that are what we call loose ends. It's not entirely clear what will happen. But the way it has been written now, people, EU citizens that will live outside of the EU will fall under GDPR. And this is why I really believe that the GDPR is very interesting and to follow because I think that because of that complication at some point, all the companies are going to just mainstream their processes to the GDPR. This is what I believe. I don't know, because it will be so complicated to then have separate rules of processes according to where you come from and etc., which is not always easy to figure that out. Yeah. So I don't know if you believe that. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you, Amel. And I think there's another way of looking at it. Like if you're a U.S. citizen living in the U.S. and you find out that an organization where you store your personal identifiable information says, well, we really care about privacy in Europe. So everybody who resides in the European Union will be fully protected. But we don't care so much about the U.S. because regulations are not as strict. People will no longer accept it. You know, as a result, their, their credit card information could be out in the open. So I think generally we will move towards yeah, a different world where privacy will become better managed. And you also hear big companies like Apple saying, you know, this is, we will decrease the level of micro-targeting that we offer, but we will improve the level of privacy that you will get. So I do see that shift happening. And it may be a hype, but it, I think there'll be sort of an understream that will really focus on more privacy. And at the time we're recording this episode, it is highly timely because of what's <laughs> happening with Facebook right now. So yeah. we're recording this shortly before the law comes into place, which is the 25th of May, 2018. So about time to get ready for it and get prepared. This is why we're here today. So could you tell me briefly, so Nomad Nation, one thing that's really great is that Mania has prepared a great document for you that I will put on the webpage of this episode that you will be able to access with some of the key information to know, but we'll cover some important information here. So what does it really ask companies and small and all type of businesses and organizations to do regarding GDPR? What has changed and what? how can we summarize in a few points? What do we have to take care of today to protect the data of our clients and our stakeholders? Yeah, well, let's start with the aim of the GDPR. So aim of GDPR is to prevent security breaches and the loss of personal data. And the data that I already explained is called personally identifiable information. A data breach is something that is very narrowly defined. And what you will notice is that many alterations of data are now considered a data breach so I'll give you a few examples of that, so that, and you can read that in the handout that I prepared. But data breaches can now rapidly occur all of a sudden, now that the definition has become you know, a little bit sharper than it was before. So data breaches, for example, are accidental or unlawful destruction of personal data. So, oops, you know, you delete a cell in your Excel file with you know, your customer information. Under GDPR, you call that a data breach. 
It doesn't mean that you're breaking a law or that you are subject to scrutiny, but it just makes you aware of that you, you know something is very rapidly called a data breach. Also, if you lose personal identifiable information, so the example that I always use, if you leave your laptop on a train, that is called a data breach because you have lost hardware that contains personal identifiable information. If you alter data, so if accidentally you mix up two address fields, you could call it a data breach. Or if you allow people to see data of other people, for example, if you have physical files of patients uh, or if you are in, in a car garage and people are mixing up two files, you would already call it a data breach. Or if you give access to people in your organization, like even HR department would give the service department access to the data of the employees in an organization, you would call that a data breach. Some breaches are very severe and some breaches are minor breaches, but you know, the GDPR wants people to be more aware of things that can accidentally happen to data and how you can prevent it. So there's on one hand, there's this stricter definition of what is personal information and how can you breach data. On the other hand, individuals have received more rights. And a few important ones to point out here is there is a right for what we call transparency. So if I collect data on my website, and I do actually, because on my website, I have an information uh, form or contact form where I ask people to contact me and I ask them for their email and maybe a phone number. Then I also have to explain on my website through the use of a privacy notice what I do with that information. So if I store it in an Excel and I keep it for a year, then that's something that I now have to explain to people. People also have the right to ask for the information that organizations have on file. So you can imagine with a recruitment agency where people collect a lot of personal information that you may want to find out maybe one or two years after you've applied with this company for a position. You want to find out, okay, how do, you know, what kind of information do they have on file and have they enriched this data and are they still storing it or have they deleted all the information? People now have the right to ask any, from any organization that holds their personal identifiable information what they have on file, for what purpose, how long they store it, and if it is shared with third people. So you know, a good example here is Facebook. Their recent scandal also had to do with the fact that they were sharing information with third parties and many of the Facebook users were not aware. So you can now ask for insight into what people are storing about you. But if you don't like that information or if you just don't like to be contacted by an organization in general, you can also have a right, as it's called in the GDPR, to be forgotten. So you can say, can you please delete my data and I no longer want you to process my data. So I think that, that kind of highlights the most important things for both organizations and for individuals under GDPR. So if I try to summarize it on the other side of the mirror, because we talk a lot about the rights that it is for the individuals to protect uh -huh. their data. But if I am an organization that collects data, it let me... Correct me if I'm wrong, but this is how I see yeah. it from what you say. The first thing I would say is the importance of actually knowing what data you're collecting and protecting that data so that nobody else can access it unless yeah. they have the authorization to. That's the first thing. Being very aware about what data we're collecting and what process we're using to collect and who has access to it. Yes. The second would be to, I think it's called accountability, to prove that you have that process to really be able to, if somebody comes to you 
you actually can deliver that. If, for example, somebody from your database asks, what is the data you're collecting on me? You have to be able to give it to them. Yeah, That's the second thing. And the third is you have to actually give them the opportunity or the possibility to actually delete their data if they don't want you to collect it anymore. And I would mention too, I guess from the beginning is the way we opt in the data is also important. I think we also have to have the, now it's called explicit consent to be on the data, right? Yeah, that's, it's close. What GDPR says is if you process data of individuals, you have to have a legitimate basis for processing data. So if you want to store data and you want to enrich it or do other things with it, you have to have a legitimate basis. And I've also pointed this out in the handouts because this is a very important part of GDPR. And there basically there are four reasons why you can process data. And you should always ask yourself, do I process data for one of those four reasons? So I will quickly summarize them. One of them, like you said, it's consent. So a pre-ticked opt-in, what we used to do before, is no longer allowed. You always have to ask people, can I send you an email? Can I send you a newsletter? Can I send you a congratulations email on your birthday? And if you have special data, and that I summarized in the handout as well, so that's the more sensitive data that you definitely not want to bring out in the open, then you need explicit consent. Could be a signature or it could be a very, very good description of what data you collect and for what reason. And you have to date stamp it so that you know, okay, on this date, this person told me explicitly that I can process the data. So that's the first basis for processing data. It's consent. The second one could be contractual necessity. But if we would be doing business together, you may have to send me an invoice. So you need the data to make sure that the invoice comes to me and not to my neighbor. That's a contractual necessity. Or if you are in a recruitment agency and you play somebody, you may want to keep the contract on file so that you know, okay, that's the time they entered the employment agreement. And you know, if it's in one year, then you will know when this person will be looking for a next job. You're allowed to keep that data. That's your contractual necessity. The third one is a legal obligation. So if you fall under EU member law or if there's any other legal requirement for keeping data, then you have a right to process personal information. And the last one is, and that's one that will be very often used amongst marketeers, is a legitimate interest. So if you feel that you have an interest in keeping in touch with people, because you know, if you offer a service, for example, a software that has regular updates and you want to inform your users about software updates, then you have a legitimate interest to store the data and to send them information. So those are four things to understand. And that is something you can explain to people. If they ask you, why are you keeping your data? You can say, well, this is my legitimate basis for keeping and processing your data. Exactly. Just a little side note about that, the legitimate basis of keeping the data. In the regulation, I've read also that you cannot use data, keep data that you don't need anymore after a certain number of times. So you have to prove why you're keeping it. Yeah, exactly. You really have to explain how long you keep it. And also, and I think that's actually quite a good side effect of GDPR, it forces you to critically assess the data you have on file and to say, do I really need this data to perform a good service or not? Fabulous. Okay, so now we talked about understanding what GDPR is. Thank you, you did a fabulous job here. So now I want to go into the practical side for our listeners. What does it mean practically in our processes as marketers, as business owners? 
how would you we apply this. So I would like to focus on two things because we cannot cover everything in just a 40 to 50 minutes. So here are two cases in it, and tell me if you don't agree where I think it's important for small businesses. The first one, one of the most common thing to do is to offer, for example, a freebie, something to download. I do that on my website online and in exchange, you get your email, etc. How does it affect it? What should we change about that? And second, I think it's a lot of us provide services, one-on-one coaching, for instance. So how does that affect our business and our processes? Could we focus on those two things? Do you think they're relevant enough? Yeah, sure. Practical examples? Definitely. For the freebie, the thing that you first ask for information before giving something, that's history, to be very honest. Mm -hmm. So you can still do it, but you have to be very explicit. So you have to ask for consent. It was one one of the four legitimate bases that I just mentioned. And say... I am asking for your email address so that I can send you this freebie. And the email will only be collected for the distribution of this freebie and there will be no other news. Then it is allowed. So you cannot follow up with a newsletter two weeks later because that's not allowed. If you want to say, I would like to send you this freebie and actually I would love to send you a newsletter in the next two weeks, then that's basically two types of consent people have to give. One for the freebie and one for the newsletter. And if you want to see an example of that, there's a a website in the Netherlands. It's called DDMA.nl, if I'm not mistaken. It's Data-Driven Marketing Association. Mm -hmm. And they have an amazing consent statement on their website that they really exemplify how you should do it. Any reason for asking for consent is explained on that website. This is one of the organizations that does it well at the moment. Fabulous. Okay, so we'll check that out on Magnition, but this is already great. We'll go on the webpage of ddma.nl to see a practical example of how you can be compliant in collecting email addresses and data. Because the truth is, we need it to run our businesses. Otherwise, it would be very difficult to have a portable business if you can't collect data. So GDPR is not about telling you you cannot collect data, but it's about telling you that you should do it mindfully and with the consent of the people who are giving you their information. So that's yeah, very important. You said, you said it really well now. That's what it is. <laughs> what it is. You know, it's not something to scare people. It's just to make people aware that they're dealing with personal information and they need to be a little bit more mindful. Yeah. Just for the listeners, I think it's also very helpful to address that example of the coaching yeah exactly you are a coach you will be collecting a bit more personal information and i've been coached before so i know it's usually done on paper or on a computer and what i would recommend coaches listening is make sure your files are well protected so if you work on hardware you not only protect your hardware with a password but also protect your files um, if you need to share files for some reason with you know, co-coaches or whoever, make sure everything that you send is password protected. So there I would say step up in your level of protection and be very aware that you have personal identifiable information. If you want a very, very large coaching business, you may want to seek for special consultancy data protection. Under GDPR, that's called a data protection officer. And you will need a data protection officer if you process a large amount of special data, so that's data that's considered highly sensitive, and a large amount on the GDPR would be that about 75% of the data that you process would be considered highly sensitive. 
All right. And you are a data protection officer, right? Yes, I'm also a data protection officer. So I'm happy to answer more questions if people need that. Exactly. So no mention, make sure to reach out to Mania. All her information are going to be on the webpage of this episode. And one more question though, technically, any advice about any tools? For instance, very practical. I'm watching very carefully now what all the email marketing platforms and services are offering for us in order because they are actually, they are accountable. That's another thing I learned is that we have to keep our, all our service providers that we use to be able to manage data, we have to keep them accountable to respect the GDPR. So I was wondering any tools you recommend that manage, help to manage these opt-ins and these consents and et cetera, anything you recommend in terms of that? And specifically for, do you recommend, have you watched how email marketing services and providers are doing that? Are they automating the process? What are the tools we have there to make a practical happen? I kind of go over case by case and I I listen in to communities quite a bit. For people who are using Microsoft products, I know Microsoft 365 is fully GDPR compliant. I know that MailChimp is working on things. I don't know if they're ready yet. For people organizing events, I know Eventbrite definitely is making the right steps for becoming GDPR compliant. I also know that PayPal is, you know, is very impressive in terms of how it wants to comply with GDPR. I don't have like a list of parties that are ready. What I can recommend you to do is go on their websites, read a privacy statement and decide for yourself, is this clear? Am I convinced that they take data seriously? And if you're not, reach out to them. Because what I see is that the large organizations that handle email addresses, the CRM, and who take GDPR seriously, they will come after you, they will respond to your emails, and they will answer your questions. And very often when they're working on things, they will send you work in progress information. So that's, that's what I would recommend. All right. Fantastic. So, so much to cover. Uh, You've done such an amazing job covering it in such a short time. So thank you so much for that, Mania. And again, I want to remind uh, Nomad Nation that uh, Mania has prepared a great, great document for you that I will put on the webpage of this episode for you to access. And if you're interested in more in-depth advice, make sure to reach out to Mania. And we might also organize a training together. So it depends if you really want it, we could eventually, Mania, do something together. What do you think? Yeah, definitely, definitely be interested. And maybe a last advice if you say, well, I hear so many things, but I need to have a coherent overview. In the handout, I put a few links of the British, what we call supervisory authority. So that's a local organization of a member state that is set up to monitor compliance with data privacy. I really like the site of the Information Commissioner's Office in the UK. So in the handout, I've put a few links. And where I recommend to start is at the first link, which are the 12 steps to take. And there's a very helpful document. So if you have any questions, the website I would recommend you all to go to is ico.org.uk because they do a very good job explaining GDPR. I did look at that website. It's really, really good. And it's quite an irony, though, because the UK is not going to be part of the EU for a long time. That's, that's kind of funny. But they do have an amazing resource. I was trained by people from the UK, and they said, you know what? We really want to comply with this data privacy law. 
So for now, they're setting the examples. And I'm That's to do so after Brexit. So fabulous. For, to end the message, I really want to highlight the fact that I actually, although I am going to be challenged, to be honest with you myself, with managing all this data, it's going to be a lot of work. I know it, but I'm also happy that we're going to probably live in a better world in terms of data protection, which is a huge issue. So if we really yeah. care about our clients, we should care about the protection of their data. So we should not be scared about it and more like embrace it. And there will be more and more tech. It's just the beginning. That's the thing. Let's not panic. The regulation is just coming out now and the processes will be easier and easier to manage, I think. So very important to not panic and see it as a benefit rather than a, an obstacle. Absolutely. Yeah. And also, when you hear all the stories about scaremongering, about fines of 20 million euros, there will be fines. You know, there are some things said by the European Commission to scare people for small businesses. You know, just be mindful and you'll be more than fine. Definitely. Wow. Thank you so much, Mania. This was really great. So let us know where you can find you. Yes, you can find me on blueeyes.marketing or if you have a direct question that you want to send to me personally, send it to manja, which is spelled M-A-N-J-A at blueeyes.marketing. Fabulous. Well, thank you so much, Manya. This was great. And I let's keep the conversation going, Nomad Nation. Reach out if you have any questions to Manya and stay tuned to turn your challenges into great opportunities.